Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Katie Meyer here today with Capital Wire Bureau Chief Chris Komisak and the AP's Mark Levy. We're here today. We're doing a little bit of a capital roundtable. We're going to discuss the state budget, which is for the first time in a long time, almost done on time. Um, and we're <laughs> almost very close. And we're also going to talk about something that the legislature has been working on for a long time, looked really close to, might not happen, congressional redistricting overhaul. Um, we welcome your questions and comments. Call us at 1-800-729-7532, or you can send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You can also leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we're at smarttalkwitf. And again, phone number 1-800-729-7532. All right, Mark and Chris. So it's a Friday. Legislature is still in. Usually they're not, but this is sort of a special occasion. They're trying to pass uh, not just the budget, but a lot of bills today. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of people, when they hear, okay, the state budget, they think of the general budget bill. And it, there's there's more to it than just that. Right. Um, so we've got a bunch of code bills. We'll get into what all of those do. But just on the general budget, this thing seems like it's been agreed to for a while. It sort of came out of really behind closed doors. We hadn't seen sort of hide nor hair of it before yeah. really this and week. Then, and then all of a sudden on Tuesday, hey, we got a budget. <laughs> so how long, I mean, do you know when they actually had agreed to the plan? Because I had heard as early as like the beginning of this month, they had like most of the details hammered out. Yeah, I'm sure they had most of the details hammered out. But, mm. you know, as with anything, there's detail. There's other details that have to be fine-tuned before they can say we have a deal. As yeah. Jake Corman always says, it's not agreed to until everything's agreed to. So there, there, were, <laughs> there are a lot of moving parts. That's uh, Senate Majority Leader Jake Corman, Republican. And yes, he does say that a lot yeah. whenever we're trying to get answers out of him. Um, so, you know, we'll get into, again, the granular details, but broad strokes. Mark, um, what is in this budget plan? How much money does it spend? What does it do? So um, the main spending package will be around uh, $32.7 billion. Um, that's about $700 million more than what they authorized uh, in the uh, fiscal year. That's about to end, mm-hmm. um, about a 2% increase. Um, the thing that we've been tracking all week is how there's a bunch of Medicaid spending that they're moving off budget onto uh one-time cash sources that they scraped up in in the last few months. And um, so that makes the actual spend much higher, but it's one of the things that they do to make it look lower so they can go out and say we're only increasing spending by 2%. Because it is an election year. (laughs) Well, and I want to get into that in a minute, both of those things. But first off, I think uh, a lot of people have come to expect when we do the Pennsylvania budget for it to take a long time and for there to be like, you know, a lot of angst involved in the process. Um, This is the first time in, you know, Tom Wolf's administration that we look like we're on track to get the budget done on time and that he might actually sign it. He hasn't signed one yet. But, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, it's been really tough for them to get budgets done, hasn't it? Really since the recession. Right. And that's primarily been driven by the fact that we've been rather short on revenue. Rather short might be an understatement. Yeah. And and, and there's been limited uh, willingness to come up with new revenues, right. recurring ones. Yeah. And so, Chris, what changed this year? Well, the economy got better. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, wage growth has been up in Pennsylvania, and that's helped to drive improved sales tax revenues and uh, income tax revenues. Uh, the federal tax uh, reform has also helped uh, give a bit of a boost to uh, business 
And uh, while they've been moving money around uh, to, to take advantage of the federal taxes, uh, this year corporate taxes might be a little bit down, but next year we should see a rebound. Mm. And uh, all that adds up to a lot more money in the state coffers than we've had in a long time. Right. And just for comparison's sake, last year revenue was unexpectedly low. We had to fill in about $2 billion of revenue, and most of that was done by borrowing, Mm -hmm. which we're going to have to pay back in the future. Um, So I have – actually, we have a caller on the line. We'll take this real quick, and then we'll get into – just, just kidding. We don't have a caller on the line. He's gone. Um, but Jeff in Hummelstown, were he still here, would have asked, why can't the legislators weed out the deadwood? Um, he, uh, they used to, just kidding. No, it wasn't an answer. That It was an interesting comment. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I think the point of that may have been, you know, there are things in this budget and there are always things in the budget that, you know, I think fiscal conservatives would like to see go. Um, I think this year we didn't see too much, you know, poking and prodding with trying to get, you know... Right. Last year they were going after all these funds that are off budget and trying to find money that might be sitting around not doing anything. (laughs) Um, I guess after about six months to a year of looking at that, they realized "Eh, a lot of that stuff is already spoken for. Right. Uh, And it's it's, it's difficult to, to take that money out of things you know, that, that a lot of people like, you know, like public transportation and environmental protection. And- yeah. it, it didn't seem this year like people were spoiling for a fight. Right. Um, so to the extent that a, you know, legislation to tax the Marcellus Shale natural gas drilling sort of stalled in the House in November, December, there could have been an effort to bring it back. Um, and there wasn't, uh, not at least not, you know, a big uh, public effort. So right. It seems like a lot of different sides weren't spoiling for a fight. Um, mm. this because, year. again, it is an election year. It is an election year. Um, and then so, uh, Chris and Mark, you guys mentioned uh, there's about, uh, you know, $700 million, give or take, that lawmakers are spending above last year. Um, that they that, have, they, that they say they're spending above last year. Well, right. And we'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, they have $700 million-ish in new spending um, or stuff that they're allocating to new stuff. Mm-hmm. So. So, um, you know, that comes from, obviously, as you said, strong revenues this Mm -hmm. year, projections for next year. So where is it going to go? Well, primarily, um, they... uh they're going to send some money to public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, education, education, Big education. political um, point for both parties. Yep. Yeah. Now, look, it's still uh, – we've seen bigger increases for public schools uh, under uh, Tom Wolf. So mm. th- this is a relatively modest uh, increase, um, $100 million on a $6 billion uh, line item in the budget. Um, but, you know, the gov- that's what the governor asked for in February. It's a relatively modest ask, and, and, and lawmakers, you know, are uh, – uh, generally uh, try not to reduce what the governor wants for uh, public schools. Um, there's a big chunk of it that needs to go to uh, school pensions, uh, the pensions of school employees. There's a uh, about $100 million that's going to go to new prison costs, higher prison costs. Um, there's a bunch of social services like child care, um, uh, the, the, the county offices of child and uh, child welfare. Um, there's money going there. And then, um, but perhaps the biggest sum that, that's being moved off budget is the increase uh, for Medicaid, uh, you know, health care for the poor. And don't mm. forget higher education's getting money this year, too. About a 2%, 3, 3% increase percent for pretty the, much across the board. 3% for the state related, 33 for right. the, the PASHI schools, the state system of higher education, I guess. 
three percent for the community colleges. Yes, three percent for the community colleges, and also there's like a tech school that's getting a three percent increase. Thaddeus Stevens. Thaddeus Stevens. Yeah. Um, and now, actually, real quick on the education, st- on the higher education mm-hmm. stuff. That's, I mean, three percent's a pretty small increase, and the Pashi schools, particularly, have been in a really rough financial position right. for a while. Right, and uh, you know. It's better than nothing. <laughs> but it's they are still significantly yeah. below what they were getting from the state in 2010. Right. Now right. they're also being asked, to, if you're getting the money, to please freeze the uh, tuition increases for the year. Right. And I guess some of them, some of the schools have indicated that they will. I don't know if Penn State said that we're going to do that or not. Yeah. But That's almost a separate conversation. Yeah. But the Pashi school funding has been something that lawmakers have been sort of struggling with getting towards a you know, a potential answer even. They're really not anywhere, but yeah, they've be- commissioned some studies on it, yeah. and the studies told them what they already thought, which was, yeah, the schools need more money or something. Yeah, plus they need to change the way they do things, and the system is in the middle of trying to reimagine itself. Right. So, so anyway, that's what's going on there, but in the meantime, they've gotten a very small funding increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Mark, so I wanted to get into this because I think this speaks to one of the interesting, I think more interesting parts of uh, budgeting, the Medicaid costs that <laughs> they moved off the budget. Um, can you explain to listeners just, you know, kind of step by step why they would do something like that and what the implications are? So the, for, for political purposes, this happens to some to one extent or another every year where they are funding certain things outside of the regular budget, which right. is people have ba- referred to that as the shadow budget. That sounds yeah. kind of sinister, but. So when we talk about the budget, we're basically talking about the state's main operating account. It's more or less a bank account and all the tax collections and fees and kind of flow into it unless they create something off budget outside of it to uh, fund a particular purpose. Um, And there's tons of different accounts that are off budget. Um, Highway funding, for instance, happens off budget. The bulk of the state police budget is funded off budget. And um, over the years, they've um, taken money from, say, the lottery fund or the um, the, the tobacco settlement fund and, and paid for um, certain Medicaid costs off budget. And this year, they um, are doing something similar where they're taking uh, about $800 million, $900 million, actually, from what it sounds like, yeah. in one-time cash sources, which may or may not materialize. And they're going to pay for Medicaid costs off budget. And mm-hmm. it just it 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 makes our discussion about the budget um, a little less important when it, it doesn't include significant chunks of spending. Right. Um, but it also lets them go out and say we only increase spending two percent when that's just not true. Yeah. Well, there's also the question of you know these being one-time revenues, mostly paying right. for Medicaid, which is not as many know a one-time expense. We have to pay for it again mm-hmm. and again, mm-hmm. um, and more each year usually. Uh, you know, what does that do for future prospects of balancing the budget? Well, as long as revenues keep coming in <laughs> as well as they have been the last sure. uh, last year, um, they should be able to cover what's being put off budget and they're using one-time revenues for. Mm. That doesn't take into account what they're going to need to spend beyond that. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as the, the amount of spending that they're doing this year, uh, while they say 32.7, it's probably closer to 33.7. Um, but next year, the projections are for revenues, state revenues. That should they should be around 33.6. Mm-hmm. So, 
they have most of what they're spending this year covered next year, assuming the assuming economy, revenues stay yes, good. assuming the economy performs as well as they expect it to perform. But in a year, the cost to care, for, you know, health care for the poor, the yeah. cost of prisons, the cost of state employees' salaries, the cost to carry budget <laughs> will be higher. So then right. they will be faced with, and they'll want to, you know, send more money to public schools, presumably as they do every year, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, there will be that gap that then um, if tax collections, you know, organic tax collections don't cover that, they'll be faced with finding money for that. Yeah, because Medicaid usually, Mark and I were talking about this earlier, it usually grows about $500 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a cost the state can wriggle out of. No, no, this is usually, these are all mandatory costs. Right. Um, the growth that was supposed to occur this year I think it was supposed to go up to $12.9 billion in state funding. Um, what we're actually spending this year is about $12.1 billion, which is, I think, a little bit less than what we spent last year. Okay. Well, that's through the main bank account. <laughs> if you, main you just account. look at those numbers. Right. So, so again, they moved a lot of yeah. money off budget. Um, then for the coming budget that we're they'll be doing next June uh-huh. – um, the Wolf administration back in February when they proposed their budget for this year, they indicated that maybe Medicaid spending would grow by another billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, that could change, but that's a billion dollars that they don't have now. Right. So I guess the upshot of this is when you hear these budget numbers and you're trying to add up what where they're all going and what they're doing, this gets kind of granular, but you can assume when you see a state budget that lawmakers have tried to make it look like they spent less than they did. Mm-hmm. And that it also goes into, I think, Mark, you may have pointed this out in a story, or Chris, one of you did, that uh, you know often what they do is they compare this year's spend number to what they intended to spend last year. Right. Generally, they end up spending more. In this case, it was, I think, a About couple. $200 million more this yeah. year. So that Not a huge amount, but yeah. definitely, I mean, again, yeah. for comparison's sake, it's more accurate to look at the number they actually spent well, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, yeah, <laughs> and it also makes the it also makes the growth a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that is sort of what's in the budget. But now, just to get back to where we are with progress, because this thing's not passed yet, we're expecting it just the underlying budget bill to be signed maybe sometime today. But the governor, we're not sure when or how he's going to do it. Yeah, which, His mother just passed yeah, away. Yeah, I would so, send condolences out to the yeah, governor. Yeah, condolences to the governor um, and to his family. But uh, that also means that we're not sure if Governor Wolf's supposed first budget signing is actually going to be the event we would have probably assumed it'd be. Yeah, um, yeah so, it's, he could simply sign it behind closed doors. Yeah, and that often does happen. Um, especially when it's late. But uh, anyway, so that underlying bill is expected to be done today. The Senate still has to pass it, but they're well on their way to doing so. Yeah. Uh, what's still out there and what we haven't really seen, some of them we've seen yet, we've seen so we'll far s- is the code bills. Yeah, um, those are the bills. Them, yeah. yeah, we've seen one of them. Which those is- are the bills that show what. <sighs> Hundreds of pages of of bills. Right, exactly. Um, So anyway, what those do is they tell specifically how lawmakers should spend some money. Now, Chris, you were saying you did flip through. We've seen the education code. Yeah, the education code came out yesterday. Hundreds of pages. Uh, I don't know if it's hundreds of pages. Uh, (laughs) It's long. It it probably felt like hundreds of pages. When you get past the public uh, the 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 fiscal code and yeah. the the human services code the other codes they get a little bit smaller and they're right. usually 
a mashup of a bunch of different bills that people wanted to get done this year and um, could have budgeted budget implications or are just things that people would like to get done mm. along with the budget and the, the school code bill. No surprise uh, is heavy on school safety. Sure. And uh, it, it, it shows how um, the $60 million in new money for school safety is supposed to be spent, or, or at least how it can be spent by schools. Uh, it also includes um, the Safe to Say program right. that uh, that was passed out of the Senate last last week or so. Um, it also includes how schools can hire uh, police officers, school resource officers, the various agreements that can be reached there, and. Um, whether or not schools, if they don't have a police force, they can contract with uh, a municipality close to them with a police force, right. and they can come up with some way of providing security for the school. And this is, in some ways, a, a political addition to the budget, yeah. especially the fact that it's that much money. Um, you know, this comes after two really high-profile school shootings mm-hmm. this year, and I think lawmakers have been a lot of under a lot of pressure to do something. Um, right. Much of that pressure has had to do with guns. That's been tougher for them to pass. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But uh, so the school safety, I think, is something that Republican leaders and pretty much everybody was like, yes, this is something we can spend money for. And as you said, new off-budget fund. So Mm -hmm. we don't know if that money is going to recur. There's no guarantee of that. But if you're going to hire new people in schools, you would assume it would have to. Right, right. Now, a lot of the the various uses for the money are more one-time infrastructure type things. Sure, new metal detectors. Right, that type of stuff. So we'll see where that goes and what schools can do with it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more on the budget and on redistricting. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Katie Meyer here with Chris Komisak and Mark Levy. And we welcome your questions and comments. As we said before, you can call us at 1-800-729-7532. So we are talking about the state budget. And I do want to ask. So we've talked about, you know, a little bit of money for education spending. It most it doesn't increase. It doesn't make any new revenue. We're pretty much relying on what's already there. This is, by all accounts, the definition of a very modest budget. Why? And an election year budget. Well, and that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to get into. So why why does an election year mean this happens? You would think maybe that they would want to get big things done in an election year. Yeah, but when you try to get big things done, that usually creates big problems. Right. And not everybody is – I mean, school safety, obvious exception sure. where everybody wanted to get something done on school safety. But, uh, yeah, usually big things like the governor's proposal, his first year, mm. lots of big things in there. He didn't get in much any of them. Yeah, and, refresher and, on that, Mark. How long did that budget take to pass? That, that um, <laughs> the, the governor, what, did a line item veto of a partial budget six months into the fiscal year. Mm. And then three more months after that, he let another partial budget bill lapse into law by yeah. itself. Nine right? months. Nine yeah. months. We don't want that when, during an <laughs> election year. So that's... And, and, and what that usually means is, you know, the nonprofits that carry out uh, social services and and schools are borrowing or laying off or uh, putting off bills, not paying for things they would otherwise Lots normally pay for. Lots of bad press. Lots of bad press. And so, what happened, Governor Wolf's first year? He he came in. He wanted some tax increases. He said, "That's how we're going to you know solve the state's fiscal problems." Wanted to tax the gas industry. Wanted to do broader taxes. That was highly unpopular in the legislature, controlled by Republicans. Said right. no, and then. 
his poll numbers really plummeted during right. that whole impasse because, as you said, services weren't happening. So I, I for the record, came in after that budget had been finished. And it, it, I was in a couple months after <laughs> and people were still shell-shocked by the whole process. So anyway, that in a nutshell is why they didn't want to repeat the exact same thing in an election year. So that's and, why you get this budget that really doesn't do too much. It just kind of keeps the status quo as it was. And, and lawmakers are sensitive to the perception of, of voters that um, all they do is fight right and and that they never get anything done so it's it's been important to them to try to project an image of of cooperation and getting things done rather than uh, partisan infighting that does nobody any good plus they had the money this year they had the money this year so they really didn't need to i mean like last year they probably would have done a get out of town budget had they been able if to. they had had the one-time <laughs> funds that are coming in this year. Yeah. Yeah. We, they could have gotten away with that. Absolutely. And so now I do want to, so, I mean, it's it's been pretty kumbaya in the Capitol for the last several weeks that we've known they've been working on this budget. Is anyone unhappy about how this panned out? Look, I mean, I, I think Democrats feel as though that they, they punted a lot of their priorities to make peace and get through an election year. So when when the governor proposed his budget, as, as modest as it was, he asked for a Marcellus Shale natural gas drilling tax for the fourth straight year. He asked for a uh, minimum wage increase, which uh, part of his argument is that it would be a net positive for the budget uh, mm-hmm. with, with people making more money and, and spending more. That's also um, just a policy thing. Pennsylvania is sort of an outlier in this part of the country when it comes to our minimum wage. That's right. Um, and uh, he had also asked for a, a fee on municipalities that um, essentially get free state police coverage or they, they don't pay for their own sta- uh, local police they pay force. for their state police coverage. They just... <laughs> well, other people pay other people again pay for, for it, it. Well, as well as their own. But potato, potato. I'm, I'm not going to get into that argument right no, now. No, <laughs> and we don't have to. Uh, Chris, for the record, is also a columnist at Capital Wire, so he has a perspective on that. But, um, you know, I, I think the interesting thing about the police coverage thing yeah. is it comes out of the motor vehicle fund. Right, and they're going to be transitioning more and more of that from the motor vehicle fund to the general fund. Yeah, so they're working on it. But anyway, that's kind of to. a long-standing weird tie that they've got mm-hmm. in there. Um, the police get paid for out of that fund. But anyway, uh, those things aren't happening. So um, and, and and Republicans who are fiscal conservatives who otherwise might protest mm-hmm. uh, this budget um, only ten voted against the budget in the, uh, the you know the main appropriations bill in the uh, House. Right. So even, even some that are privately griping about it voted for it. <laughs> And that, I mean, I think a lot of that goes into, you know, when the whole party's on board with something. Yeah, you don't want to be left behind. It behooves you to get on board as well, yeah. People want to get out of the building. They want to be shaking hands in uh, Independence Day parades. They want to be seen. They want to be out on the campaign trail. Now, when we get into the politics of it, there are people, for instance, people who don't want Governor Wolf to look good going into this election who are unhappy that this budget kind of makes him look cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, namely, Scott Wagner, he put out a statement um Bashing the budget, um, sort of. Call uh, it a do nothing budget. Call yeah. it a do nothing budget. Yeah. yeah, and so I. What did he say that he would want to do? Well, I think he's talking about some of those bigger mm. uh, picture items and uh, fixing up schools. I know. Sure. I know that he's he's pick, picked up the the argument that's being made by, of all people, Senator Vince Hughes and others, that uh, the Philadelphia schools are crumbling and need lots more money. And uh, now he. 
he doesn't necessarily say they need he's going to give them a lot more money. <laughs> he's saying that <laughs> he's we, we saying need to look crumbling. at how the state spends its money and maybe we can redirect it to the appropriate places. Right. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, he, he wanted to he would like to see more big things done. And as we said. That's not usually the way to get an election year budget done. So Right. Uh, but that's also, uh, I think, a common thread from people who are running for governor but sure. are not governor. Yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, that's sort of the uh, the budget picture. Anything else you guys think we should add before we kind of go into this last day? Or maybe it'll go into next week a little bit as we finish up loose ends. But uh, Just on the Scott Wagner thing, if, sure. if he should happen to win. Sure. Uh, he will have a pretty big bill to pay <laughs> when he becomes governor. So, what do you mean? Well, it's just uh, as we were talking before, there are a lot of things that are that they're going to have to pay for next year sure. that they're not paying for this year. And but you know, there there are costs that will hit in a year that I don't think we've discussed. No, but the, the, the state's debt bill is going right. to be going up because yeah. they just borrowed to backfill a huge deficit. Two billion dollars. Yeah. They just they they just floated bonds for school construction. Right. Those costs are going to start hitting, and then they they've been leaving out school construction money from from the budget for a couple of years now. Presumably, they'll start resuming that at some point. Yeah, and, you could uh, argue there's a billion to a billion and a half dollars that they're going to have to find next year. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it going to be that high next year? Uh, my that's my math. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> there, I'm wrong. So there, yeah, there, I think that's a very good point that there are costs we're not dealing with. We've pushed off for this year, but we and need there to. are there are whispers in the capital from s- some well placed people about you know next year could be very difficult. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and so whoever's and, governor, <laughs> <laughs> this budget is not doing them any favors. Right. So I guess that's a good place to leave it. At least um, for next year. <laughs> right. A very status quo budget that doesn't address the things that are coming because yeah. it doesn't have to yet. No. This year, we're all looking great. Right. So anyway, that's this year's budget. But now we're kind of getting to the end here where uh, lawmakers try to push through a lot of things and then get out of town. <laughs> uh, they're usually not in after they pass the budget until yeah. a couple session days in the fall. And then, I mean, then the session's pretty much over. Right. Because, um, well, this year is an election year. So, yeah, yeah and they don't run. They don't run too much during the, the fall when an election no, year. they do not. So uh, this is pretty much it for our uh, our time with uh, lawmakers in the Capitol uh, until post-election. So they're trying to do a lot. Uh, we mentioned a couple things I want to get into first. Um, school safety is something that came up a lot this year, as did just more generally the issue of gun control. Um, and so what that has meant is you know, lawmakers, Republican lawmakers specifically being under a considerable amount of pressure to start moving some bills that have to do with gun control at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had some challenges getting with like the wider ones. Like there have been longtime calls to uh, change background check policies mm-hmm. to apply to certain guns sold at gun shows. Currently, they don't. Uh, there have been calls to ban bump stocks, which functionally turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic one. Uh, but those things... A couple, one of them has moved, but what have the more? What's more of the attention been on? Oh, well, the, the domestic violence uh, has been a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what does that have to do with guns? Well, uh, a woman or a man who's battered by their spouse, uh, if if they get a protection from abuse order, uh, the spouse does not have to turn over their weapons for quite a while, and who knows what happens between when they're ordered. 
And when they do it. And they also, under current law, can turn them over to a family member or a friend. Right. They just can't have them in their own possession. Right. So and, that makes and, them easier to get back. And judges may not actually order, order them to that. turn them over. Right. That, um, as I'm told, that happens in 14% of these you know, temporary restraining orders. So that's one of those issues where it, it seems fairly cut and dry. But even that's been a real challenge and slow going to get through the legislature. But the they House, did get it out. Of committee. Of committee in the House, yep. yep. And it looks like it's on track to possibly pass the full chamber before we leave. Is that uh, uh, I don't know. There was a very long discussion about it in the House uh, Republican caucus yesterday. So behind closed doors, they had a very long talk about it. They were supposed to bring it up on the floor yesterday right. and sort through 20-some-odd amendments to it, and it never happened. So that usually indicates that there's some strife over um, how this is going to play out. Um, the, the nut of that bill, which is essentially um, people with a restraining order against them or a domestic violence conviction against them having to give up their guns and having to give them up within 24 or 48 hours, that passed the Senate unanimously in, mm. in March. So it's essentially been sitting in the House since then amid the kind of the post uh uh, Parkland uh, High School shooting in, in Florida, uh, kind of momentum to get mm. something done on, on guns. Um, but it's it's uh, when you see the House start to go through those gyrations, you know, not bringing it up on the day they're going, to, they're scheduled to bring it up on, and having long closed doors talks about it, it starts to hint at difficulties. Yeah, and that's one of those ones. That bill is seen as the most targeted. You know, moderate things, easier to get on board with gun related bill that they've got. Mm -hmm. So that sort of has been long looked at as the best shot for any sort of increased gun control. And that, again, only happens in really specific situations. So it doesn't look good for the entire raft of bills. Now, we've seen a couple more passing out of committee. Yeah. uh, uh, Representative um, Stevens. Yeah. Todd Stevens. Todd Stevens Stevens has a bill. Republican. uh, That would allow... um, it's basically a red flag bill. A red flag bill, yeah. Yeah, so it's, if somebody's in crisis, a judge, their family yeah. can bring them to a, a judge. A family and member have, can ask for their guns to be taken from them. By a judge, yes. Yeah. And so there were you know, questions about due process and things like that, but it did pass out of the committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another one. You know, We'll see if it gets a floor vote. Uh, a couple other sort of targeted bills like that. And then we also had the bump stock one. That right. passed a, a bill banning bump stocks. Narrowly, but it passed. Very narrowly got out of committee. But I, just like these other bills, Super unclear if that'll come up on the floor, mm-hmm. and that one being a broader bill. I mean, I maybe I don't want to make too you know strong of a prediction, but it would have a harder time getting out there than the domestic violence one. Sure. So anyway, that's kind of where we are on guns. I mean, is there a chance these guys could bring it up in the few session days they have in the well, fall? They're in, they're definitely in session on Monday. We're told so. Yeah, that's true. Um, the the chances get slimmer by the day, though. Um, I mean, everyone wants to leave the building as as the budget bills advance. Um, that means time is getting shorter in June for mm-hmm. lawmakers to stay in and. You know, the, the second the last budget bill passes out of, uh, you know, um, the, the legislature, that's when they're done mm-hmm. and they're leaving town and they won't be back till September. And so if, if your bill hasn't gotten through by then, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's, uh, you know, there's there's bills all over the place limiting the liability of nursing homes, letting electric utilities kind of change the way they they increase or, you know, or or lower their distribution rates. The, all these things are bouncing around. And if your bill hasn't crossed the finish line by then, 
that's it. Um, and we have an email in here. I'll ask. I'm not sure the answer to this, but maybe you guys do. Um, so that is uh, from Catherine. She asks, what are the prospects for long-pending guardianship reform, specifically Senate Bill 884? It was reported as having no financial impact on the state, but certainly failure to pass the reforms can impact families and individuals. Are you guys familiar well, with that? I know that there have been several bills, um, particularly allowing uh, with regard to grandparents mm. and, and uh, yes, children who are children who are in families that have been impacted by the opioid crisis. Uh, I know that they have been moving in the Senate, but I'm not sure when or, you know, that they'll actually We're kinda, get across yeah. the finish line. We're running up against a wall here, so I think the more well, bills that aren't passed. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the budget and the, the code bills, they sort of suck the air out of the entire building. And as Mark says, once they're done, then there's this big exhale and they all leave. <laughs> Harrisburg suddenly empties out. A um, couple other big bills that are on there. I just want to bring these up. It's sort of three bills that are interconnected in weird ways. Um, there has been this measure um, kind of kicking around for a long time to uh, protect uh, children who are victims of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. That's a bill the governor supports. That's sponsored by a Republican, Senator Stuart Greenleaf. It got through the Senate. It was on track to get through the House. Had been held up recently. Um <laughs> And sort of, I, I think when we get to this time of year, not to like, you know, disparage anybody, but you see a lot of political gamesmanship. Or horse trading. Horse trading <laughs> is a good word for it. Um, so, uh, Chris, what happened with that? Um, House Speaker Mike Terzai has a bill to ban uh, abortions in situations where the unborn child has been diagnosed with Down syndrome. And that made its way over to the Senate. Mm. Uh, he was concerned that it was not going to get considered by committee politically tricky bill uh the senate has been really kind of reticent to vote on it oh yeah yeah it's they've already made one abortion vote uh this year and um the governor ultimately vetoed that bill Mm -hmm. so yeah they're they're not inclined to do it again but uh speaker terzai was adamant that he would want to have this bill reported out of committee and that committee happens to be chaired by Senator Greenleaf, yes, whose bill we were just talking about. <laughs> and then there are other bills um, that have also sort of gotten tied up in similar ways. Uh, Senator Jake Corman, another person who is powerful in the Senate, mm-hmm. um, because that bill, Senate Bill 22, the abortion one, did get reported out of, out of Greenleaf's committee when Terzai put his um, hold-up measure in it. Now it's on the floor. So, he, he, so, so now, he's, now, so Corman, now he's sort of asking for a vote on the bill, and yeah. if it doesn't get a vote... I don't know if Senator Corman's hazing bill will will see a vote in the floor in the House. So the hazing bill has to do with a Penn State case where a student died Mm -hmm. of alcohol poisoning and other injuries related to that. So this would be a bill trying to discourage that practice in fraternities, essentially. And so that's another one where if it got to the governor, it would be signed, seemed to be on a track to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, But now it's being held up in the House. So these things, I mean, they're being used as collateral, Mm -hmm. essentially. And we've got dwindling time. So, I mean, do we have any idea, like the... <laughs> the odds of any of these three bills, the hazing one, Greenleaf's uh, child trafficking one, or the abortion bill getting through? Well, it, it sort of depends on what kind of commitments they've given each other behind closed doors. And yeah. this this happens every June when, when the budget season comes to sort of a big crashing conclusion <laughs> within the space of like a week and everyone has bills that they want. And 
and leadership. Uh, the leaders in the chambers have special bills that they really want. And there's a balance. There's always a, if you run this, we'll run that. Yeah. And um, so it's... Uh, it's it's hard to tell what commitments have been made. They do it all behind closed doors, just like they write, you know, all the budget legislation behind closed doors. And it's hard to know what commitments have been made unless they tell you. And even when they do tell you, sometimes you get different stories about <laughs> what was what sort of commitments happen behind closed doors. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, it'll bear watching. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are several session days in the fall. So that's... there are um, depends. It remains to be seen what they'll do in those days. Yeah. Now, are you guys again? We have one, maybe two days left. Uh, most of that's going to be spent on the budget. Um, short of redistricting, which we'll get into <laughs> in the next 20 minutes. Um, what are you guys watching? Any other bills? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that, Chris? You just don't think it's worth it? Uh, I just. I, I want to see the budget get done. <laughs> sure. Well, there's, what about you, Mark? look, there's a couple bills we're watching. Um, one is a, a constitutional amendment uh, right. that the Senate just kicked back to the House to shrink the size of the House. That's a fun one. The Which House. I don't think will pass. This is why I'm not really paying attention to it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, look, yeah. So what, what about anything else, first of all? Uh, yeah, there there is a bill that uh, consumer advocates are lined up against that the electric utilities want very much um, that would help them change the way they they set their their rates on on the cost on the distribution charge on on your bill. Mm. Consumer advocates from you know those who represent uh, the low income uh, uh, electricity users to uh, industrial electricity users are all lined up against it, mm. believing that it would tilt the playing field uh, towards the electric utilities, uh, give them uh, less scrutiny mm. uh, when they go for uh, a rate increase um, and um, and dissuade them, give them less incentive to control their costs. The electric utilities have made the case that um, they need this because of uh, it, it, it'll help them recoup costs more quickly. It won't increase long-term costs um, on consumers, and it's essentially responding to uh, a, a less predictable um, uh, environment in which you know more people may be getting uh, uh, solar hookups and, and and leaving the grid, or there's there's more extreme weather, mm. et cetera. So um, this is something that they see as as uh, as a, uh, uh, a necessity for the environment that we're in. And then real quick, and then we got to go to a break. But uh, the um, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, house shrinkage bill because I think that's kind of fun. Uh, this is sponsored by uh, State Rep Jerry Knowles. It's to shrink mm -hmm. his own chamber. He thinks it's too rowdy in there. Essentially. He thinks they, they don't get anything done because there's too many of them. Um, I, I talked to him on the phone. That's basically what oh, he said. No, I get it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he, this passed both chambers. It's a constitutional amendment passed both chambers as it had to do last session. Mm -hmm. Now it's back. We're on round two. Uh, the Senate's passed it. All the House has to do is sort of is back Senate, up on the, the word Senate's thing. passed it because it doesn't do anything to the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> and if the House passes it one more time, it'll go to a statewide referendum. Yeah. Now, I think it's it's fascinating to note, and this is what historians have told me, is that the, the modern-day legislature is roughly around the size that it is going back to the 1870s Constitutional Convention when they increased the size right. of the legislature to make the individual members more difficult to bribe mm -hmm. by special interests. <laughs> the, the more lawmakers there are, the more difficult it is to to bribe them all. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's why that's there. Um, Not that we're saying that that happens now. <laughs> right. And so, but that's and this is why Chris isn't paying attention to it because it's the Senate sort of called the House on their bluff by passing this, and 
they passed the House kind of passed it last year because it was a fun hypothetical, but now well the only reason it got out of the house this year was because they amended it right. to include the senate and now it's got to, to also shrink the senate to, to also reduce the <laughs> and the senate, senate, senate took their shrinkage provision out and sent it back to the house, house. and said which honestly that was the that was the original right, bill right so, so anyway this uh, is just sort of an argument between the chambers at this point um but and to, to be very clear it looks unlikely to pass right i now. don't think it will so anyway maybe it'll but come back up wrong. next year um we got to go to a quick break and when we come back redistricting Welcome back to Smart Talk. I'm Katie Meyer here with Chris Kamasak and Mark Levy, all Capitol reporters. And we are now going to talk about something that's been just kicking around the legislature for a while and has seemed in fits and starts to get close to passing and then farther away from passing um, redistricting reform or, I guess, overhaul um, to the redistricting process. Um, I guess just, I mean, Chris, where (laughs) we've seen lots going on. Where does it stand right now? Well, we're waiting to see what the House is going to do. Right. Um, House Majority Leader Dave Reed, earlier in the week, um, he kicked several bills out of the Rules Committee, mm. which leadership controls, and said to the Capitol Reporting Corps that there'll, something will happen with the bill if they get an agreement among all four legislative caucuses. Mm-hmm. Now, let's back it up real quick. So we have... Um a redistricting bill that was agreed to by the Senate. Right. And so that bill um, would create a, a citizens commission that's selected by the legislature and the governor. And then, you know, if they can't come to a conclusion on three different maps, that would go to the legislature. They could try. And if it, the legislature couldn't agree, that would go to the Supreme Court. And they need to pick also, from maps. Yeah. Right. And so it, it, they can't draw their own anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and it was also an, a, another provision, a controversial one was added that would have at the very last minute <laughs> at the 11th very last hour minute, that came out of nowhere uh, came out of nowhere um it was a bill that would elect judges by district so right. it doesn't have a whole lot to do with redistricting but they're making the argument that hey it's got districts in it right. so it's, it's a constitutional amendment so, yeah. <laughs> so, so it would it would essentially change the way we elect judges uh, i think right now we have i'm going to get the number wrong but roughly around 30 appellate judges in got the states Supreme yeah. Court, Superior Court, Commonwealth Court, they all run statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, this would essentially have this redistricting commission draw districts for the judges mm-hmm. to run in. And um, if if the independent commission does not come into being, if voters say reject it, but like the idea of judicial district and the legislature and the governor would draw those mm-hmm. districts. And we talked about this, I think, on last year's, uh, last year's, last week's podcast. Uh, feels like a year. And uh, <laughs> so you can check back on that if you want more details. But essentially, you know, it's kind of unclear if that redistricting measure was going to be a pot sweetener for the House to pass it or if it was going to be a problem for the House well, to pass it. Well, it certainly was a pot sweetener for it to get out of the Senate. It certainly was. <laughs> it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have gotten out of the Senate without that probably measure. Probably not. This and was then, something a lot of Republicans have been gunning for for a long yeah. time. Some Republicans in the House have wanted it, but it, Democrats were outraged. And yeah, and it, it, it looks an awful lot like, to, to the critics, it looks an awful lot like payback to mm-hmm. the Supreme Court for um, what they did to the congressional districts in their February decision. Defenders of the measure say, no, 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 it's just a good measure that we decided why not put it in right now. Um, so who's to say? But uh, anyway, um, 
in the House. That's one of, again, as you guys said, six measures that uh, were passed out of an unusual committee, the Rules Committee, mm-hmm. um, by basically um, Senate Major- or House Majority Leader Dave Reed, who kind of has taken control of the issue a little bit in that chamber. But um, it seems like there's still no consensus in the House. Um, no, not if you look at how many amendments there are yeah, to the yeah, Senate there, bill. There's <laughs> 500 amendments. And how do we parse that? What does that mean that there are 500 amendments Wait, to the main bill? The more amendments there are filed to a bill, the less likely that bill will ever pass. because <laughs> Or come up for consideration. <laughs> right. right. Um, but look, I mean, you know, I canvassed probably 10 or 12 House Republicans uh, late last week after the Senate sent the bill over to the yeah. House. And and um, they all basically felt that the process was wide open in the House. There was no consensus on what kind of redistricting commission should be created. And some of them didn't feel that a redistricting commission was really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're talking about a legislature that typically does not like to give away its own power. If anything, it likes to increase its power. Yes. Um, it, you know, its reach over boards and commissions. So. Um, to to some extent, the legislature, I guess, would still have considerable authority uh, over you know any independent commission. Yeah, under, certainly under the way the, the bill's written now. Yeah, mm. but look, the, the, you know, the House Republicans I talked to were all over the place, and they admitted, you know, look, it's wide open. We're all over the board on this. Um, but I did find more interest in the provision regarding the judicial districts. A lot of them liked that idea. Some didn't, but <laughs> most of them kind of liked it. Yeah, because that, that did come up when the uh, House was considering the merit selection process. Yeah, Russ Diamond, I believe, was bringing that idea right. up. Yeah. So anyway, um, these are all things, and when we, we keep asking Dave Reed, the majority leader, about this, and he keeps saying, look, there's definitely some dissatisfaction with the current system of redistricting. But, you know, that being said, and he has admitted to this, there's very little consensus still. And, you know, sometimes you can build consensus, but not in two days, usually. Yeah, it's certainly not before July 6th, probably, no, yeah. and so which that's, is the deadline that they have to get any constitutional amendments passed. Right. By, and a recap for chambers. that, the reason for this, because I think people maybe get confused about it. We have to, again, pass this amendment two sessions in a row with identical language. The next time we do congressional redistricting is in 2020 to 2021, when it would actually take effect. And... Uh, you know, the reason we have to do it so early, July 6th, is there is a certain period of time when you have to, when you're amending the Constitution, let people know what you have passed and what might be on their ballot. Right. So, and, and as I as I'm told by people who know this stuff, there is case law that lays out the necessity for a three month gap between um, before you know the election, mm. so that if voters see what potentially could be before them in a constitutional amendment right. um, down the road, they have a chance to vote out lawmakers if they right. oppose Or at it. least lobby them to not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, if somehow, and again, this looks unlikely, the Senate's plan were to pass through the House with flying colors and get to voters eventually, mm-hmm. um, there would be two separate ballot questions attached to this. Correct. One would be to change how the redistricting process works. One would be to change how judges are elected. Correct. So voters could hypothetically pick one or the other mm-hmm. if it got to that point. Um, so anyway, that's that. Um, we do have, we 
mentioned the many, many, many amendments that are on this. Um, they were all filed pretty much yesterday. Yeah, because there were only like six, six before. <laughs> so people worked quick on that. Um, and, you know, we saw this happen with um, the Marcellus Shale uh, drilling tax that Wolf so wanted. Uh, how many amendments were filed to that? It was oh, were, a similar hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. hundreds yeah. And what did we see happen with that, Mark? We saw, uh, I'm trying to remember whether it was two or three afternoons of, of debate mm-hmm. and perhaps uh, 20 amendments were plowed through. Um, a couple of them got in. And the interesting thing about that is that one of the amendments that got in sort of split the supporters of the underlying bill. Yeah. And once they realized that, they tried to uh, undo that. Um, and they were unable to get any sort of uh, cooperation from leadership to undo that. And the whole thing sort of went away and it hasn't come back. No, it has not. And again, that being, you know, it, it's an election year. <laughs> it's a tough issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are steering clear. We've got about two minutes left. Um in these waning days of our budget uh, negotiations, are you guys, you know, any information you're waiting on, anything you're looking at? Look, there's um, so there's one bill called the fiscal code that right. usually travels with the budget mm-hmm. and always it, travels with the budget. It, it, it increasingly <laughs> has become the grab bag, yep. the couple hundred page grab bag of uh, special pet projects for lawmakers where they want money to go. So in, in the main appropriations bill, it'll say, you know, a hundred million dollars to X, but in the fiscal code, it'll say underneath that, well, 33 million needs to go to a yeah. hospital in a six class county yeah, that borders done in, a second class it's county. It's done in a legalese that it's <laughs> not really easy to figure right. out where it's going. And so it, it has become uh, surrounded by more and more intrigue as years have gone by, and it's been subject to uh, lawsuits and, and more backroom deal making uh, over the years. Good stuff. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to keep you posted on what happens in the next couple of days. We're expecting a late night tonight, I think, or maybe maybe Who not. Knows? Who knows? <laughs> but in, in any case, uh, thank you again to Chris Kamasak and to Mark Levy. Um, and I have a note for you guys that Scott Lamar returns to host Smart Talk on Monday. He is going to be focusing on scams that target those seeking drug and alcohol treatment. And he's also going to he's also going to discuss a new report on the heroin overdose admissions to Pennsylvania hospitals. Thanks again. I'm Katie Meyer, and tune in for more budget talk later in the day.